even downright cutting, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cats. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cats. It's Saturday night, and you know what that means. It's Saturday night, and BuddyCast is all right. How are you buddies doing today? I'm here with my new buddy, Felix Pyre. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, Nick. Thanks for inviting me on your BuddyCast. Absolutely. Anytime. We love meeting new buddies. For those who don't know, Felix is an actor and has a career in television and writing as well. Am I correct? Yeah, and also film. So if you have HBO Max, I think, uh, or any other of those, uh, you know, internet sites, you can probably find 12 Monkeys. Ooh. You'll watch Brad Pitt slap me around in that one. <laughs> that's awesome. That's one, of, that's one of those iconic moments. Like when, you know, as, that's like the resume moment. Like, well, I got slapped around by Brad Pitt, so. Yeah, that's generally what I let people know at auditions. And if you're worthy of getting slapped around by Brad Pitt, then you're probably pretty okay. Yes. That's, that's my theory, but I don't know. You tell me. Yes, most definitely. It's it's an honor to get slapped with someone like someone like that, you know? Absolutely. And especially because, you know, he was such a nice guy to me. Mm-hmm. That's very uh I wouldn't say it's uncommon, but I would say it goes out of the out of the usual line that you need to do as a star. He was particularly nice to me and I thought mm-hmm. that was a real neat thing like he wanted to collaborate with me that's what I mean like he said what do you think oh what do you think not a lot of people a lot of yeah. people do do their own thing and you do your own thing but he wanted to like really collaborate and uh as a young artist that really impressed me because that was a long time ago it was 25 years ago Ooh. and I was 20 like three or 24 mm-hmm. so um yeah it was it was a lot of fun Mm-hmm. So I got to start by asking, how long have you been in the film industry? Since uh, 1994. Wow. So that yeah. you've been in the game as long as I've been born. So uh, Yeah, as long as you've been alive, baby. <laughs> yep. yep. So, and- yeah. Uh, yeah. And I watched it change in many, many different ways. Like when the Internet came around, uh, because before 2007, really, there was YouTube came out in 2007. So before that, there was no YouTube, none of that stuff. So there was just the big studios and television, you know, and then television became table television. And I mean, I came around with cable television was around. But a big thing that happened soon after I got here was that um, reality shows started taking up space on television. And so they weren't writing as many shows for actors. And that really screwed things up for a lot of actors. Um, But thankfully, it's coming back now. They're doing a lot more like scripted shows that actors get to memorize lines and be funny like you. (laughs) Most definitely. How long have you been in acting? Like how long is this this the same time period or? No, uh, I've been acting since I was 16. So I've basically been in programs for the arts since I was a young kid. I wasn't in any TV or anything yet, but I was in programs for the arts. And then um, I did one television show when I was 17. It was like for public television. And it was called Teen Scene. And there's a bunch of teens. And I wrote like a like a comedy sketch aspect, like the Saturday night. They had a little Saturday Night Live moment with the teens. And I wrote that stuff. And then I acted in it and stuff. 
And it was fun because at one of the like theater festivals and, and this was in Florida in Miami and one of the theater festivals regionally, all the theater students came and people would be, that's the first time I felt famous. People would be like yelling like my character, the thing that my character would say, uh, they would yell back at me. They would tell me, and I was like, oh shit, the power of television. Can we say, can we say that in here? Can we say the S word? Yeah, I, kinda, I like to keep it clean, but I'll let that one slide. Okay, let that one slide and I'll try to keep it clean. But um, I thought, oh, wonders. <laughs> people people recognize me and I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, but no, but uh, so I've been studying and I went to the School of the Arts, the New World School of the Arts, which is where uh, the writers of, or some of the creators of Moonlight and Hamilton came from. It's a special school of the arts like fame in New York uh, for high schoolers. And uh, then from there, I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas, where I studied for four years and I got a degree, a bachelor's degree in acting and filmmaking. And um, eventually I moved out to LA and I started working pretty soon thereafter. I started working um, on, in, a, in a one man, I did a one man show. I got the opportunity to do a one man show called Men on the Verge of a His Panic Breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I played eight different characters and they were all totally different, but they were all Latino. They were all Latinx people, guys. And they were all gay too, but totally different. That was the gimmick. The gimmick was each one of them were totally different guys. Some of them acted gay, some of them didn't at all. So, uh, so anyway, that got noticed and that eventually went off Broadway and I performed it there. And by the time that got noticed here in LA, I got a really great agent and he started sending me out for movies and television. And that's when I got 12 Monkeys and I got several other, I was a regular on a TV show on CBS a million years ago called uh, Matt Waters. And mm -hmm. it starred Montel Williams, the, the host. You know, you know bald Montel, Montel Williams? I don't know if mm -hmm. you remember. Because mm -hmm. you're a young guy. But uh, anyway, he was a, a teacher in high school. And I was one of the kids. And I was playing like I was 18, but I was really 23. <laughs> and because um, I've always played younger people than I really am. I just come across a little younger. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, and then that pretty much was what started my career. But I, so I started young in programs, like in your regular high school, uh, and then I, I, programs that were like for a special student in the arts, you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. programs in school. And then I really didn't start professionally until I graduated from college. I got my degree first and then I moved out here and I thought New York or LA and I ended up moving to, uh, to LA. Ooh. Yeah, nice. and then and then my one man show eventually went off Broadway, and I won a big award there, and so that mm -hmm. took me to New York, and I worked in New York for a little bit, and but I always was based out of Hollywood. I love movies and television, and this is where my heart is. But um, but I love the theater, and it's I'm passionate about it, and I do theater in L.A. as well. So. Now you mentioned an award. Tell us about that. Well, um, I won the the New York Outer Critics Circle Award for Outstanding Solo Performance for that play that mm -hmm. I told you about, Men on the Verge of a Hispanic Breakdown. And um, that was Off-Broadway for my performance. It was like an Off-Broadway Tony Award. You know Tony Awards are for Broadway? Mm -hmm. it's sort of like mm -hmm. They have a couple of awards that are good for Off-Broadway that are kind of like Tony's, and that's one. And so I'm very proud of that. Oh, here's, here's the thing. I went to, the, to my personal high school prom with Katie Finneran, who then won two Tony Awards. So I'm way behind her. So, um, but I know how to pick them. I know how to pick them. So um, that's that's totally my point. Nice. Now, in your acting career, have you? Um, other, you mentioned Brad Pitt earlier. Have you had chances to work with other notable actors throughout oh, yeah. the? Mm -hmm. Can you give us Absolutely. give us some examples? Give us some. Give us a list. Well, I remember Bruce Willis being in Twelve Monkeys, and uh, I got to work opposite him. 
And uh, he was very nice to me. He took a picture with me and I sent it to my dad. I was like, check, you know, that's, that's one of your bucket list things. Get a picture with Bruce Willis while you're in the movie with him, check. <laughs> and so my dad was proud, you know, and I was like, all like, oh, I made it. And I still feel that way. Um, so uh, he was very, very nice to me personally. And um, who else have I met? Uh, well, I did a movie called uh, Dear God, which is a very beautiful movie directed by Gary Marshall. And in it, uh, there were a lot of, of stars that were in it. Greg Kinnear is the star of the movie, who was also really a terrific guy to work with. So cool and gentle and fun. Um, if you go to my Instagram, at Felix Pyre, you'll see some of these pictures with me. I just posted one with me and Greg Kinnear not too long ago. Nice. Um, so you'll see some of the pictures. Oh, uh, the picture with me and Bruce Willis is on there that I just told you that I took. And there's one with me and Brad Pitt and we're just kind of like in costume. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, so those people were great. Uh, then I also worked in, on, on a film called uh, Fat Girls with Monique and Eric Roberts. And uh, they were terrific to work with. Monique really was very kind to me, I have to say. I played one of like her friends, like a super gay guy that works at the mall with her. And she's like into design and stuff. And I was like a little, let's see, I was like a little, little like New Yorican. And so I talked like this and I had a little list and I was like, hey girl and all that. And uh, it was a lot of fun and it was terrific. And she was very welcoming. And I've been a character actor, you see, for many years. So mm -hmm. I perform and I do a lot of different accents. Uh, uh, I saw the bomb on Prison Break, and although I didn't get to uh, speak uh, English on Prison Break like this with a Spanish accent, eh, they, my character only spoke Spanish. Um, I played uh, a lot of people. I'm I'm actually Cuban American. Oh, nice. So I speak fluent Spanish, and I do accents in Spanish as well as in English. Like I can pretty much, you know, I was in on NYPD Blue when I played a guy who was from New York. You know, and uh, he was actually a police officer from New York and he gets in trouble because he did something that was a little like not kosher, but not too bad. And he gets like, you know, reprimanded by the superiors. And it's like a couple of these tough women cops and they like lay down the law in front of me. And I'm like, and they, they're like, get out of here. So I. I get yeah. But um, so I've had the joy to play like really terrific, uh, a variety of characters. Um, the last thing I did, I played a French fashion designer on a show on Nickelodeon called How to Rock. Mm. And it was a sitcom and we shot on the Paramount lot. And for me, I always kiss the ground because I love it. <laughs> and um, so did I answer your question? I don't even know. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Now the follow-up question, would be who are some actors that you are hoping to work with one day? Oh, hoping to work with. Gee, I've always really, I don't, I, I go in and out of who I want to work with, but uh, mm -hmm. Gary Oldman is, a, is I, I'm a fan of a big time. I've also mm -hmm. really been a very long time because of her solo performance work, because she did a one woman show that brought her to fame with Whoopi Goldberg. Mm -hmm. so I really have always wanted to meet Whoopi Goldberg because I'm such a fan of hers, especially like her work in um, in the color purple. Mm -hmm. I was amazed by I was and I, I thought she was going to win the Academy Award. She should have. I thought that year. But in any case, yeah, there are some people like Whoopi Goldberg who I would love to work with. Uh, but um, let's see Gary Oldman. I love Leo DiCaprio. I think he's magical. I think there's something so awesome about him. 
Um, I've always loved Johnny Depp. I know he's a lot of people don't like him now for some social societal reason, but as an artist, I've always mm -hmm. loved Johnny Depp. Yeah. And um, but I'm happy with Brad Pitt. I'll keep I'll keep my Brad Pitt. I'll raise you Johnny Depp if you like. <laughs> I'll raise you a Matt Damon, even. But yeah. I'll keep my Brad. Pitt. I like my Brad Pitt movie. I'll, I'll keep Twelve Monkeys. I'm very proud of it. I'm yeah. very proud of my performance. Mm -hmm. That stays at the top of the resume. Oh yeah, that stays mm -hmm. at the top. I, still, I mean, I want I want to do something that knocks it off. Like yeah. what could be better? Yes. Than being in a, in a Terry Gilliam movie. Terry Gilliam is a genius. He's a wonderful director who was amazing on the set. And um, I, Brad Pitt asked me what I wanted to do, and I I told him what I wanted to do, and we did it. And then he showed up and he was like, no. <laughs> it's like that one. It's like the, it's like, you know, you got the fun parent who's like, hey, let's do that. And then you got the serious parent who's like, yeah, no. Yeah, but we got to do what Terry Gilliam wants because it's his movie. And exactly. so, you know, but, but the deal is when you're working on a movie, a lot of times you will work on a scene before the director gets there and prepare something for him to see that he can like adjust. And so we're not starting from scratch. We got a little something going, and, but, you know, and especially to establish chemistry. And that's why I thought Brad Pitt was so smart because he wa really wanted to establish chemistry with me. I have like this, I have a fair amount. I have like a featured role in the film and he wanted to establish such a rapport with me and so fast. And I thought that was so smart. And so anyway, we, I said, oh, I want to get in a fight with you. And he was like, all right, let's do it. And I was like, because my character seems to be against you and saying all these things against you. And then Terry Gilliam showed up and he saw the fight that we were getting into. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Terry Gilliam is kind of like a cross from the guy, like the guy from Back to the Future and this mm -hmm. old commentator that used to be on television. Uh, but anyway, he, he, oh, he was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, do it. Do it as if you're having a nervous breakdown. And I thought, oh, my God, I just came from Broadway, off Broadway, doing a one man show where I'm having a nervous breakdown nightly. Like, I totally know how to do this. So uh, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, don't look at Brad. Don't challenge him. Just say those words that are challenging him. But don't look at him and look like you're having a nervous breakdown. And so that's eventually why Brad got me and he slaps me around and all that stuff. Because they wanted to show that Brad was in control and not me, that I wasn't a dissenter powerful enough to knock Brad down. And that's what I wanted because Brad was fresh on the scene. He was a new star. And what better way for me to get attention than to get in a fight with Brad Pitt? <laughs> but as the director would have it, that's not what happened. And so he ended up like softening that and making me like a weak character, which in turn makes total sense because my character's name is, get this, my character's name is Fail. F-A-L-E, but it really sounds like F-A-I-L. You know, like I'm a failure, fail, I fail. So the director really knew th things that I didn't, I wasn't even aware of. That was a really difficult script to read too, because it was literally written how it is in the movie, which is out of sequence. So when I was reading, I was like, I don't understand. I mean, I have a degree in acting and stuff, but I really don't understand what's going on. I'm going to play the scene and then see what the director wants to do. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I want to revert back to an earlier question or to a question. You um you mentioned you have an acting career in television with NYPD Blue and Prison Break. Let's talk about your television career for a moment. Okay. Yeah. Those, well, those shows. Tell you tell you about what? NYPD Blue and Prison Break and other shows that um, you might have done too. Let's see, Prison Break was uh 
was a great opportunity and it came about, it's really kind of weird because sometimes I'll tell you something that's weird. My gut feeling tells me to do things with my hair particularly and my face. So my gut feeling for a while, right before I did Fat Girls was grow out your hair. And little did I know that I would totally use my curls in that movie and the way that my hair looked. And then I, I did like cornrows like that in my hair and it looks fabulous in the movie. I'm so proud of it. Um, but for this one, this time period, I had grown out a beard. And so I felt kind of gruff and stuff. And um, and it was a great casting director that did uh, Prison Break. And he called me in and he always gave me great breaks to just be seen. That's really the hardest thing in Hollywood is just getting in the room. So he would get me in the room and the producers were like, we like this guy, I guess. I mean, there must've been other people auditioning, but I'd love that it was at 20th Century Fox. That was what was fun because those days are kind of over and mm -hmm. it's so sad, but you know, I'm old Hollywood kid. I remember when we used to go down to the studio to have to audition. Now you send the self tape that you did on your cell phone in the bathroom. You know, it's just not the same, doesn't have the same magic and i hate to sound like an old fogey but there's something about stepping onto 20th century fox studios mm -hmm. to go and audition as a nobody you know as somebody just a young actor who's trying to get out there you know and you step on a studio and man it just makes you feel like yes i'm in hollywood you know i made it this far anyway you know and this is where all the movie stars walk around and here i am you know there was a beautiful thing to that, you know, and now it is no longer because now everybody just does it at home and they send in the tape and then they look at you off of the tape and stuff. But back then I went in and I scared the producers. I scared the with my stupid angry face. Mm. Yeah, that's me. I look angry. <laughs> I made an angry face and I yelled at them in Spanish and I scared them. And they were like, oh, we love that guy. Bring him back. He gets the part. And so what I love about my career is the variety of roles that I could play. Like, you know, I'm here like threatening both of the guys in prison break. And in a movie, in the other movie, I'm like, hey, girl, I like what you're wearing. You know, I mean, it's like I love the variety of character that I've had in my career. And even though I, I am not famous yet, but there's still there's still time. But oh, yeah. uh, but I've, I'm still uh, I've. I'm so proud that I've gotten such a, a wide range. And that's why I love um, Gary Oldman because of his ability to change and morph into all these different characters just imperceptibly. And I, I admire that. And that's what I aspire to in my career. You know, Nice. Nice. Now I got to ask, you've told a bunch of these stories, but I got to ask family appropriate, audience appropriate, of course, do you have any fun behind the scenes stories for us? Like anything that just pops to mind on anything, like any of your shows careers or anything yeah i have behind the scenes stories sure i do i have uh you know i don't, I don't need to say uh bad language to tell you the stories because mm -hmm. they're with superb people who mm -hmm. were funny but mm, i can i can edit it so i don't know if you remember the carol burnett show do you remember carol burnett mm -hmm. there was a guy named tim conway you know and tim conway's bald guy and he was always the little guy who made mrs O'Higgins, and he would do stuff like that well he's with me in this movie dear god and for some reason, and he's so like PG, like he's so like everybody loves him and all, you know, you've only seen him do kind of funny things that are totally on TV and stuff like that. And I feel on, I'm on the set of Dear God with him and I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I'm like, somebody, maybe some 
you know, some person working here is tapping me on the shoulder. I don't know. So I turn around and I see no one. And then I look down and there's Tim Conway. And I go, he goes, get the F out of my way. And he said it, but in a funny way. I, it's hard to, for me to bring it across, but I was in no way offended. He just was like, he did, he did that face that he did on the Cal Burnett show. How could you hate him? He goes, get the F out of my way. But he did it in a funny way. And I just cracked. And I said, I'm so sorry, sir. And I got out of his way and I cracked up because he was so funny. Like, even if he was cussing, he was funny, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love that Tim Conway story. He was really dear and everybody loved him and he was great. You know, um, but that he told me that I got an F word out of him. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like when you hear that the the oldest dad from that TV show with the little girls, what was that called? Uh, in the full house that he does, yeah. uh, he does his dirty act, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny coming from him because he's always known to do all yeah. these B-rated things. So there was Tim Conway telling me that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you yeah, I have nice, nice memories. Yeah. Go ahead. You're thinking of Bob Saget. Yes, I am thinking about Saget. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And you're right. Cause it's always like, you've seen them on TV for so many years and they're this sincere dad that like, wouldn't, you know, like they're the dad that is like cleaning the entire house top to bottom and is like giving you all these life lectures. And then they go on comedy scenes, like they go on comedy tours. And then all of a sudden the first joke out of their mouth involves five, five profanities. Uh, yeah. That's your story. And it's just like, who are you? Like, yeah, let me put on my seatbelt. Yeah, because you're not that character. Well, but you, we should all be grownups and know that that's just a role that he plays and he can do other things, you know? So that's what I'm telling you. It's like, I haven't done like a sitcom yet where I become famous for that one thing. Mm-hmm. So right now, as an actor, I kind of come in under the radar and I play all these different things because mm-hmm. I'm not famous enough for people to go, oh yeah, Felix Pyre, he does that thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows me. So therefore, I kind of morph and in different movies, I show up as different people. And that's the joy of acting, really. Is yeah. to, I don't need to be famous. I just need to work <laughs> and get into different movies and have the opportunity to morph into different people because that's my life's mission is to be a storyteller and morph into different people in, this, in the service of telling stories that will lead people to catharsis. <laughs> whatever they do, whatever emotional reaction they have, that I'm giving them that little release by telling them the story. And yeah. so that's my job in the world. Yes. Yes. And you know what? You kind of reminded me of something. Reminded me, you know, we mentioned comedy. We mentioned like, you know, how actors go from this, you know, this character all of a sudden they like it's like a 360 on or like a 180 on the stage. You yourself have done some comedy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell yeah. me a little bit I- about your comedy career? Yeah, um, I for a while there, I hosted an open mic night in West Hollywood and got Ooh. some cool people to come and do their stand up. And I was amazed at how quickly they wanted to come up and do it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, um, one of the guys from Kids in the Hall came and did some stand up. Um, that was a long time ago in a place far, far away that is not today's West Hollywood. But in West Hollywood, I had a stand up comedy night and it lasted for a Maybe a couple of years. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it lasted for a while. Uh, so it was like an open mic night. And we had people that are working comedians here in Hollywood go and try things out because it was just this little place. So nobody felt like if they messed up, it was any bad bad deal. And besides that, nobody could tape them with their phone. Nobody could videotape them with their phone or whatever, you know, dig- digitally mm-hmm. mess it up. They'd have to like write it down and then go and perform it somewhere. You know, nobody was into that. So 
Yeah. Um, it was easier to just show up and do a performance and not worry that, you know, as somebody famous and not worry that you were going to get robbed. So um, I did some stand up there as the host of my own show. And then also I've worked at the comedy store. Um, I Ooh. took a class and then that class eventually performed at the comedy store. And I taped some of that and it's on my YouTube channel. It's, it's silly. Um, and my, my act is kind of silly anyway. I mean, it was just about like, I had a joke about, I don't know, 70s sitcoms and the fact that they all had great theme songs and theme songs are no more since Seinfeld. It was like, boom, boom, boom. That's it. We go cut in. Right. But before it was like great theme song. And in the 1970s, they always had this woman that wailed at the end of every theme song. They would go, you got that at the end of good times. You got that at the end of different strokes. You got that at the end of all these great sitcoms. And I'm like, how would I, we need some of that today? That's, but that's my take. Nice. Um, so I had like, like, you know, silly observations like that. And, um, and they were a lot of fun. And then I would sometimes do characters and turn into little characters and do little stories and stuff. Um, I auditioned for Saturday Night Live. So, and, and for, and was uh, auditioned for a Mad TV and was casting in Living Color. The year got canceled. So I've been doing sketch characters for a really long time and I sort of integrate them into my standup. Ooh, nice. I love that story. As a practicing standup comedian myself, you know, and you're yeah. right. Open mics, like people will come. If you, if you make it, people will come, you know, like they say in the movie, if you build it, they will come. That's right. That's right. And what you need is just to build the, even if you just tell people, listen, I'm thinking of building a ship. They go, Oh, I can do the mast, you know, <laughs> but first it takes somebody to say that, you know, to say, yeah. and here in Hollywood, it's like, Hey, uh, I have a script all of a sudden, because everybody has an idea. Everybody has a script in mind, mm -hmm. but who has it written and done and ready to show. And so the people who do, well, at least that's like a, um, a blueprint that any, everybody can go, Oh, you know what? I can act in this. I can, shoot this, I can edit this, I can whatever aspect you do. So yeah, it takes us creators like yourself creating BuddyCast, because I mm -hmm. commend that and that's why I'm here, because I think that's cool. Thank you. Um, it takes creators to do it and then people come and they're like, oh my God, you created this great podcast. Of course I'll be in it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's just like, hey, I have this podcast, I have this show, would you like to be in it? That's okay, you got an actor to promote it for you. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm all about. Like, I'm gonna promote yes. the cast because, you know. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So now I'm gonna ask you, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Gee, that could take on a lot of different meanings. I mean, it just, I think it depends, it depends. I mean, if your dog's named Buddy, <laughs> and it's about loving your dog, and you know, how can you not love Buddy? Because all dogs go to heaven. Um, if your best friend is named Buddy, he's your buddy, and his name is Buddy. I have a friend whose kid he named Buddy. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of variations on Buddy. You know, um, I had a boyfriend, and he used to call me Buddy. That was his pet name for me. Um, there are different. They're just different uh, reasons to use Buddy. But Buddy always means love. Bottom mm -hmm. line, right? Bottom yeah. line. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty buddy. That's what it means to me. It means love. It means, you know, it's the name of something or someone or someone's going to call you that because they feel friendship and love towards you. Yes. Yes. Right? Buddy means love. That is the perfect way to sum up the word. You know, I think so. I think so. I agree with you. Mm. And tell, me, tell me a little bit about your stand up and where you've uh, stood up. Yes. So I'm still in the practicing stages. I've actually taken a, 
brief break, you know, focus more on buddy cast and a lot of other life aspects, but you know, and you know, I've always, I still have that hankering. I always have that hunger to jump up on a stage once everything clears up and just do, you know, I'm to, you know, I'm about 45 minutes away from the national comedy center in Jamestown, New York. Oh, beautiful. You've got to visit that place one day. It is gorgeous. It's, it's like a comedian's heaven. Like you, I've known comedians, I've known people who have walked in there and have just gotten to a certain place and just bawled their eyes out. Like they are, they love this place. Um, but I'm still in the practicing stage. I've always been that, I've always found humor to be like a good icebreaker, a good, you know, like a lot of people will look at me because I'm the little person in the room. Like they'll look at me, you know, if I walk into a room of strangers, you and me, like if you and me walk into a room of strangers right now, we don't know anyone in that room. We don't know anything, but we have a goal of who can get the most attention by the end of the day. Like who can get, who can meet the most people, interact the most people, like, you know, get the most attention. You, you have to go in, you, you know, you do your own thing. You do your thing. You have, you know, you do the impressions, you do the voices, you do, you know, you make all the movements, you know, you do things. Me, I can just walk right in and I guarantee you three heads are turning my way. Like that's new. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get instant attention, but then you got to hold it. Exactly. And that's where the comedy comes in. Right. Once you get their attention, bam, now you've got them looking. Now you get them laughing. And I found humor to be a great way to do that. Like whenever I was at college parties or whenever I was just, you know, whenever I'm in a new environment, it's very easy for me to find a joke here and there. It's very easy for me to make people laugh. Especially, like you said, when you have their attention, when you have that, when their eyes are glued on you, that's, that's your cue. That's your, you know, and, um, so, and I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I used to, um, I don't go there as much often now, but I used to go to our local comedy club as if it was my second home. It got to the point where the bartender knew what drink I want, what drink I wanted before I even got to the bar. And that's really good because that says something about your character and it says yeah. something about your pursuing the craft. So a lot yeah. of people think it's about, oh, you go there once. Mm-hmm. I remember my stand-up comedy teacher when I was going to do it here at the at uh, the comedy store in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I was building it all up. He was, you know, we were going to have this final performance and we were going to be able to perform at the in the place where Robin Williams performed. Robin Williams is my hero. Mm-hmm. And I was going to get to perform in the place where he performed. And oh, I was building it up to be so big. And and my teacher said to me, listen, is this the last time that you plan on performing stand-up comedy? And I was like, I don't I don't think so. And he goes, then why are you ask, acting like it? You know, this is not going to be your last time. So stop building it up to being such a big, it's going to be a one in the bucket. You know, mm-hmm. the performance in the jar of your performances, you know, little marble. Mm-hmm. So, but it takes that that much uh, discipline to want to show up there every single night like you do. And then, you know what, that that also makes you less afraid because then you feel like you own the place a little. Yes. You know, you're like, I'm here every night. I'm not afraid of this place. And at first it might have seemed real big, but then the more you're in it, the smaller it seems. Yes. The more you feel yes. like, oh, wait, this is just this little place. And I see what these guys are doing and I can do that. Yes, what I would do, I would always chat with comedians afterwards because I always had the meet and greets afterwards. I'd always chat with them. Uh, Some of them I got to know on a personal level and are great friends with today. So tell me when you do your comedy, what is what are your topics that you generally want to hit? I originally started with little people, you know, with with my dwarfism, making fun of myself. 
I told you the joke, you know, the hide and go seek champion alert. And uh, (laughs) I say that because I always say in my jokes, or the joke, I didn't tell you the punchline. So I'm the hide and go seek champion of my hometown, Erie. I'm undefeated in my neighborhood because one time they even awarded me the Amber Alert. They awarded you the Amber Alert. There you go. Yeah. I, I like the whole premise because, you know, you're short and you can hide easy. So what, exactly. even the first, even the first little joke. bit of the line made me laugh, you know. Yeah. It's a visual joke. It's a visual. Like, they yeah. can see. I know, one, I know one kind of in reverse. Mm-hmm. In reverse. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's for tall guys. And I always mm-hmm. tell tall guys to say it. Because tall guys, a lot of times, get this one. They get... Do you play basketball? Mm-hmm. And so I told I tell my tall guy friends when somebody asks you, "Do you play basketball?" Then you answer, "Do you play miniature golf?" Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. so that's like a tall guy joke, and that's one thing I did too. I I one time had this Q and A segment that I had. You know, here's a list of questions you get asked all the time that you really just don't want to answer. So instead of I figured instead of getting annoyed with these questions, I'm just yeah. gonna go back to them. Yeah, like um. Are you, you know, like something like, are all little people related? You answer with, are all tall people this stupid? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Things like that. Like just give it back to show like, yeah, we don't like these questions because we're human just like you. Yeah. And, and you know what I really, what I really love about uh, comedy is that you are inducing an involuntary reaction. Mm-hmm. In people like they don't mean to laugh, but you're literally, as they say, making them laugh. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of power as a comedian because you're making people laugh. Exactly. And you can't help it. If it's funny, it's gonna make them laugh. And I really like yeah. that power of making yes. people laugh. Yes. And that's what I was saying earlier with how that was like my key whenever I would go to a party or something. That's how I got comfortable. Like I'm very like when I'm in a new environment, it's very, it's a little tough for me just because, you know, for example, like I said this earlier on my personal Facebook page, I kind of have a little bit of fear of going out in public. Not like, it's not like a straining fear. Like I will not go out here. I will not go like. Yeah. You don't like big groups or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Only because. people feel that way. Yes. Not because of like, oh, I don't like be, I'm not claustrophobic or something, but more along the lines of like. A bar, for example, mm-hmm. just the amount of things like how crowded and loud it can be and add in the fact of alcohol. Well, then how do you deal with stand-up comedy clubs that have a lot of people drinking as well? How's that, how does that feel? How's that different? That works a little bit more because it's a laughing with you situation. Mm-hmm. It's a laugh compared to the laughing at you situation. Like, yes, they're laughing at you, but you're in control of their laughter. Like, you control, like, when they get the laugh or when, they, you know, it's mm-hmm. not... It's not like the bully situation. It's not like oh, so you feel you feel like other that in that other situation you're sort of bullied more in bars. Yeah. And stuff? it's really? more the lines of like because you factor in alcohol, you factor in you know like people you, are such assholes. Mm-hmm. Like it's oh, like terrible situation. Like it's like that. Like I always have that fear of there's going to be that one person there who you know saw something on TV, like saw a little person get thrown on TV, has had you know normally like when you're sober. You don't have those ideas because you you have the thinking process of like, hey, I'm not going to do, you know, that's ridiculous, not going to. But when you have alcohol, I always say, you know, when you add alcohol into the factory, people get the bright idea that when they can't can't walk straight, they should drive home tonight. Right. So, and that's why there's, you know, don't believe me. Stand up up at the club is a more controlled situation versus at the bar where people are drinking and could act stupid and approach you in a stupid way. 
Cause like I said, I can control, you know, like I have, you know, when you have the microphone, you have control of the room, you know, unless yeah. there's a there. You have a girlfriend, you have no need for the bar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going out anyway. And the funny story, the night that I knew that she was, that I wanted her to be my girlfriend involved of our situation. I oh, tell me about that. So I went to a bar with my cousins and I, we were, you know, when me and the, me and my lady, we were friends back then. And I told her I was going out for the night. I said, Hey, are you cool? If I just, if I just go out with my cousins and you know, we've all had a long week for various reasons. And she's like, yeah, that's totally fine. I totally understand. You know, just text me when you get home so I can, so I know you're going to be safe. Okay. So the entire time I'm there, I'm literally just sitting there and thinking to myself, I kind of don't want to be here right now. Like, I would much rather, you know, when you have that adult moment of like, you don't want to be in this loud place where you have to talk like this to hear the guy next to you. Yeah. But you rather just be that's, like, that's called turning 30. Yes. yes. When you turn 30, like, that's it. I mean, Are you 30 yet? I'm in my mid 20s. You're mid 20. Okay. By the time you turn 30, you're going to go, why the hell am I listening to NPR? But I am. Exactly. It's a so, weird thing that happens. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't want to be here right now. And I had that idea. Like I would much rather be at home in my bed, relaxed, chatting with this girl than here, you know? And that's kind of like when it clicked to me, like, I think there's something here. Like, I think there's definitely something. Cause I would much rather be talking to her, spending time with her than be, you know, five years, you know, three years ago or something like that. It would have been a different story. Like it would have been, Hey, so I want when, when did this happen? When did you start seeing her? Um, we met online in November of 2019 and then in December, which actually she loves when I tell this story and you'll love it too as a comedian. Okay. December, early December, I asked her out. Here's how I did it. I told her that night that I had a surprise for her, but I know she hates surprises. Okay. So I'm going to... I'm not just going to make this a situation of, hey, I have a surprise for you later for you tonight. And then I'll, you know. Yeah, a surprise could be anything and you could be a weirdo. Exactly. The surprise is going to be me telling, giving you subliminal hints throughout the day that you're going to have to figure out. Because well, I. So it's like a, so it's like a, like a, there are clues. It's, it's a scavenger yeah. hunt. Yes. Because I know that would just drive her over the edge. Like that, she hates surprises and she hates it more when you just, egg it on the entire day. Oh, and now yeah. you're going to make it into a puzzle. Jeez. Uh-huh. So I gave her hints like, it's something I always wanted to do for a little while now, but I just haven't had the opportunity or kind of like the courage until tonight. Um, It's, it's got to be over the phone. You know, we FaceTime because she's in Massachusetts. I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's got to be over the phone. No over this text stuff. Like no text. That's just, you know, and just, just hints like that throughout the day. Yeah. Where now she's in Massachusetts going, Oh my God, she's going to ask me out. He's going to ask me out. He's going to ask me out. So that Nick, night. This was, this was pre-COVID? Yes. And yes. Had, you, had you had a, an opportunity to meet before or no? This first time? Uh, this was. In um, person? This was over the phone. We hadn't met before. We FaceTimed a dozen times though beforehand. Like basically every night before. Okay, so you haven't met her in person? Yet. 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 When we met in person, but um, we FaceTimed every single night. We've. Done, you know, we had the face to face communication. We knew each okay. other. We knew we knew we weren't talking to we each weren't talking to like forty year old strangers who wanted, you know. Right. Yeah. So right. I You won't be catfished. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so good. that night I I FaceTimed her. 
and said, are you ready for this? You sure? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll be right back. I handed the phone to my uncle who is kind of like my comedy manager. He's always my biggest supporter in comedy. Okay. And he was there that night, handed the phone to him, went and did a comedy set up on stage because I technically didn't lie. I was something I always wanted to do for her. You know, it had to be over person because you can't do comedy over text. You're just telling jokes by, at that point, yeah. you know? And um, just so, what? So he taped you while you were doing stand up comedy yeah. talking about her? No, I was he or just doing stand up. I, I was just doing stand up, but she was on the phone and he had the phone, so he was taping me with her. Like, right. So she was watching you in real time over yes. Facebook. Yes, stand up. Yes, Boy, what a way to impress her. I mean, oh, yeah. So I come back and I go, Hey, how was so? How was the surprise? And she's like, uh, It was good. So I'm yeah. like, I better hate where I want her. So I'm like, okay, let me let me finish up with these guys and then I'll be back, you know, and then I'll talk to you afterwards. Yeah. So then we talked afterwards and I kind of did it as the way of saying, is she ready or not? Like, is she, you know, is she ready? Is she there? Is she gonna, is this going to be something or is there, do I still need more time? But I could just tell, like, I called her back and she still had the look of like, what was that? Like that, like, you know, you, so. Yeah, you showed her you performing at your best and with a live audience, which you couldn't yeah. do now with COVID. Now it's everything gets taped. So look at that. You got something special in the can there. Exactly. Exactly. So then we talked about it and I finally just, I finally just went out with it and said, you were thinking I was going to ask you out, weren't you? And she's like, I'm not going to lie. Yes. So I'm like, okay, all in. What if I did? Huh? What if I did right here, right now? And the rest is history. The rest so, is digital history as you yeah. get to know each other. So hopefully we have met in person. I will. You have met in person. Oh, yeah. good. What a relief. Yeah. Once things, um, once things, it started, once things cleared up a little bit in the summer, like okay, things, you know, like the travel restrictions got lifted and all that stuff. Yes, good. we. She came down here, and then I went to her, and then um, she actually came down here for my birthday too. So. Oh, okay. So you know, it's yeah. a real life person. Yes, and, and not some, some muppet from the Jim Henson Company that somebody's yep. doing like that. All exactly, right, live person, and um, she's got the ring to prove it. So <gasps> she's got a ring now. Yep, she's got a promise ring. Oh, so. you rascal! Mm -hmm. I you actually, rascal. I'll Nick. tell you, that's an even better one. So okay. I got a group of my buddies. This was before I met you. Now, so don't you know? Don't worry about this. I got a group I of my. I won't feel insulted personally. I got a group of my buddies to make a video to all make this giant video for her. And um, it was me. I, in the beginning, I explained like, hey, you know, here's who I, you know, here's how much our relationship has meant to us. And here's how much you not only have inspired me, but have inspired other people. And if you don't believe me, here they are to tell you. And it's a bunch of my friends just saying like how much she means to them, how much it's been a joy getting to know her. You know, just all that stuff. And I hired three, um, I hired three, um, three headline or two headliners. The first one being Michael Franti, uh, who sang her a song. And then the second one was Sinbad before the stroke and everything. Uh, cause Sinbad was on this show too. You got actually Sinbad to do a message for your girlfriend? Yeah. 100%. That is crazy because yeah. I admire Sinbad. I really am a big fan. Sinbad is sitting on the same screen. Or you are sitting on the same screen that Sinbad was once sitting on. Woo! Yeah. Feels good. Sinbad was a tremendous guy. I, I hope and pray for his recovery. Yeah, we all do. Yes, he is a great friend. He's just as nice off, you know, off camera as he is on camera. He's not one of those guys who's like, 
Oh, you know, on camera. Oh yeah, sure. I'll donate a thousand dollars to charity. That's fine. And then off camera, get me the, you know what out of here. Yeah. Like, things like he's that. For real. That's good yeah. to know. Yes. He yeah. is very genuine. He met Jess afterwards and was even like, gave her some funny advice. Like learn karate. That is my advice to you. Learn karate. <laughs> yes, is up. You got a straight shot, honey. Yeah. That's good. So, yes. That's good. So, um, I had him and I, uh, you know, they just made this giant video montage of her. And then um, in the end of it, Sinbad tells her to turn around. And uh, there I am behind her with the with the ring. And then uh, Michael is there also. Hold on a second. Hold on. Full stop. Wait a minute. Yeah. So you're telling me that Sinbad helped you propose? Yes. Yes. That I is ridiculous. Yes, right I will show you the video after this. I will show you the video after this. That no, I believe it. I, I don't. I'm not questioning you. Yeah. I'm just saying, like my, my currently my mind is kind of like blowing because, yeah. like I said, Sinbad was on this show and we've been great buddies. You know, we've That's been, great. we've had a great, we've had a, we've developed a friendship. And uh, he's a, like I said, he's a nice guy. He's that. That's what I mean when I say he is a nice guy. I'm not just saying that to. You know, just glorify someone who's been on my show before. Just to, no, no, you know, he's he a is, good buddy. He is the guy. He is the guy. What you see on camera is what you get in real person. Like he is because he's a blast on camera. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. And it was when I when I got him on the show, it was honestly like the crown jewel of this show thus far. Oh yeah, it Not was more because now you got me. But um, exactly. Exactly, but he's still, you know, he's still high, he still holds the high favorite. He still I'll have him kind of okay, fine. Yeah. I'll yes. be number two. I'll be so for now until you get Brad Pitt. Exactly. Hey, if you help me land Brad Pitt, you will be the crown jewel. You will be the no. I think Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt will be the crown jewel. So I'll let uh -huh. you. I'll let you work on that. Yes, hey, I could use your help though. I could always use the help. I could always use yeah. the. I could no, always. Listen, I wish I could call him up. Yes, I, wish I could, but you know, I was just an actor on a movie set. That's all. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? He was a nice guy to me. Yes. Do you have any celebrities that you keep in touch with to this day or stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am really close friends with Anthony Rapp. Mm. Anthony Rapp is currently playing a Lieutenant Stamets on uh, Star Trek Discovery on yes, um, but you may know him from Rent or any other variety if he was in adventures in babysitting when he was a kid. And, uh, he's a very close and dear friend of mine. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Anthony Rapp, I could say. And then I'm also friends with his boyfriend on the series, Wilson Cruz, which is mm. the first time, uh, that Star Trek has depicted a gay character or a couple of a gay couple really. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so both of them I know, and they're great friends and really tremendous actors that work here in Hollywood all the time. Nice. Now I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap this up, but stick around afterwards for we'll chat afterwards. I'm going to okay. two questions. Okay, but go ahead. One being how, um, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Hmm. If I can, a charity, geez, that's difficult. Uh, <laughs> there's so many good ones, so many worthy causes. Um, I feel for animals. So any cause that animals are involved with, I, I, I support that because uh, animals are, don't have a voice literally. Mm -hmm. So any animal, any causes like maybe, I don't know, I don't want to mention anybody specifically, you pick the cause of your choice, but if it helps doggies and kitties, mm -hmm. I support that. 
Nice. And any other animals too. Any other animals too. Like yes. lions, like those poor endangered elephants and any animals that you love. Yes. Yes. It's funny you mentioned that because we hold a monthly charity event on the show. We call it Buddy Aid, kind of after like Live Aid. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a bunch of uh, great performer friends of mine. We all get around and we do a buddy. We do a buddy cast, but we do it as a performing show. Okay. Like musicians, there's comedian, there's stuff like that, and then um, it's all for charity. We have a do we have a donation link and oh, say right we're doing this show, donate, donate, donate. And this month we're doing it for a local uh, rescue shelter known as mm -hmm. a rescue, rescue organization known as Happy Bark. Oh, look so, at that! Yeah, Happy Bark to promote it for a minute is a is um it's a rescue organization that fosters dogs so they'll rescue them and they won't just put them in a shelter and just wait until someone comes and oh look at this poor doggy you know they give them a loving home to at least for a little while yes and then they screw while they while they're interviewing candidates for the for the pet so it's not just any random person can walk in and say oh i want this dog because it's you know it's christmas time and then find mm -hmm. out you know find out like a month later they're chained up in the backyard just under a you know, under a wooden doghouse that they you know like it's just right it's, it's so it's, important to take care of yeah. the animals. Yes, I have as someone who has a dog himself and whose sister has a dog. I there's never there will never be a time where a dog will be chained up in my backyard or will be just even if the dog even if there's problems with the dog like even if the, you know even if the dog's sick even if the dog is you know is yeah. having a bad day or something there's yeah. never you'll never find them chained up in my backyard just laying there yeah. looking. They're miserable. How so. could you do that when there's when all dogs go to heaven? They, they go to heaven for, for a good reason. Exactly. I that is something I truly believe in. That is something that I truly, you know, I had a German shepherd growing up and that dog was a saint in a dog's body. Yeah. That dog was everything that you could have asked for and was very protective of the family. Like we had a neighbor who had some um we had a neighbor who had some, you know, something going on with them and the dog wouldn't accept the biscuit from him. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, dogs are. Dog, they're intuitive. Yes. Yes. And even this dog, like this dog that we have now is one of the friendliest dogs you'll meet. But if something is not right, if she can sense that something is not right here, something is off or like someone's missing or something. She like I come, you know, I come home from work at 1130 at night on weekdays. Yeah. And she is laying right by the front door, making sure that all her people are home. Once he walks to the door, she will go to her chair. She will come up to my room where her bed is and just, that's it. Good night. I don't have anything yeah. else to worry about. But until yeah. I'm home, she will lay by the door waiting. Yeah. It's dogs I trust. People? Eh, eh. Yeah. Exactly. They're iffy. They're iffy there's, the best. There's, that, there's that saying that says, you know, you can always tell something by either a human who doesn't trust a dog or a dog who doesn't trust a human. Yeah. And then there's and then there's the joke saying, "Lady, you ladies, you can always tell the way you can always tell what to expect in a man by the way the dog treats him. For example, if he's getting attacked by the police dog, I doubt he's not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Run away. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Don't stick around. Him, he may not be your ideal guy. Yeah, don't stick around with him because he feels like a bad boy. Just get out of there. Exactly. Exactly. Now I got one more question for you. So this is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Okay. You ready for this? Hold on a second. Let's strap in here. Yes. This one I'm going to make multiple parts for you. 
the first part being for anyone who wants to go into acting, mm. the second part being anyone who wants to go into like writing or behind the scenes work, and the third one being comedy. What's your advice? My advice is do what Nick from BuddyCast has done, which is he created his own thing. And he has a live television show where he's interviewing people. And so I think that in today's world of everybody has a camera at home, everybody is their own television channel. So you want to act, write yourself a script. You want to direct, direct, nobody's stopping you. You know, you can take your video camera from your iPhone and create stuff. As a matter of fact, now when actors are auditioning in Hollywood, that's what they're asking us to do. We're taping our own auditions and sending them. So there's nothing stopping you. And then another thing is uh, you got YouTube. You can, you can put it out on YouTube. You can put it on an Instagram. There's multiple platforms. I don't need to tell you the story. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. So when I started, it was a little bit different because you had to come to Hollywood. You had to audition here. And there was no way for you to zap an audition across, you know, I mm-hmm. guess you could tape it and send it on a videotape. I don't know, but not anymore. Now Hollywood and the entertainment industry is decentralized, meaning it could you could be creating great content from anywhere. And as long as you can upload it into a computer and onto one of the streaming sites or whatever, then you're good. So really, it's just about entrepreneurship. And that's why I what I applaud with you, Nick, is that you're an entrepreneur. And so you are getting out there and you're creating it for yourself. You're not waiting for somebody else to give you the opportunity and go, hey, Nick, would you do a podcast? Nobody's telling you to. You are an entrepreneur and you're, you're, step, you're leaning forward and you're making it happen. So that's my advice to any actors that are out there. Step forward. Make it happen. You know, there are ways to, you know, there's certainly a lot of Facebook groups where you can talk to other actors if you need other actors to be in something with you. Um, there's certainly uh, Facebook groups to find directors if you need somebody to direct. I mean, there's ways to assemble everything together. And it goes back to that thing we were talking about to bring it all back, a callback, uh, that ship that we were talking about, that blueprint that we were talking about. So you have to be innovative and have to start your own thing. A lot of times in the past, actors were just kind of people who waited to be given roles, you know, and you could be that guy or that gal and wait. But um, my advice is don't wait. My advice is write a role for yourself or start a, you know, something for yourself. Something that I've been telling my students to do who are acting students is um, because a lot of times we're creating all these auditions and or we have auditions that we've taped and they're just sitting there. And I'm like, create an Insta account that has your name uh, backslash auditions or you have you do stand up your Instagram account has your standup set and you're there doing your standup and it has all these videos of your standup. So there's so many ways to, to get your information across and to get your talent across these days that the thing is to just do it like you are. Be like Nike, just do it. That's right. That's my advice. And I didn't want to say that because I didn't know if like Nike would be a problem for me to say, because I don't know if they're, I don't know that they're, you know, promoting your show just yet with, uh, Hey, if they are, if they're open to sponsorships, we're open as well. So that's exactly what I'm saying. So I didn't want to mention them because I didn't know if you had sponsorships with other people that are conflicting. But uh, should yeah, yeah. they be smart enough? I think they should jump on this opportunity and sponsor your show. Hmm. Hmm. I would. Well, I open the open the opportunity by all means. Well, buddy, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. It was a true pleasure. Like I said, stick around for a minute. We'll chat afterwards. Okay. But I have- 
one favor to ask you to yeah. end this show. If you could just do me one thing tonight. Okay. You'll be someone's buddy. I will. I will definitely be someone's buddy. I have lots of buddies already, but I'll pick a new one. Sounds good. Other than you, other than you, by the way. I was about to say, I was about to say, but for all my buddies out there, this is my new buddy, Felix Pyre. Thank you again for being on BuddyCast. It was a joy. And we will catch you next time here on your favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats Don't feel like it could make it, buddy Here on Buddy Cats